Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of What the Fintech, the podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the Banking Technology Magazine. My name is Paul Hindle, editor at Fintech Futures, and for this episode, we're joined by Andrea Di Gottardo, CEO of UK Digital Bank Crew. Andrea, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Paul. It's a pleasure being here. Excellent. It's great to, great to have you on this week. Uh, just to get started, would like to quickly let us know a bit more about yourself then and what you're up to at the moment, Crew. Oh, well, yeah. I'm trying not to take too much time because there is a hell of a lot happening, as you can imagine. As I said, I'm Andrea De Gotthard. I'm the CEO here at Crew. I've been with the company from the very beginning of the journey. still remember when I joined over five and a half years ago. I was employee number five. So we've grown a long way. We've gone a long way from that. What are we up to? I mean, the users, we are in... We've launched the bank in January. We are now fully focused on scaling and getting our product out, out there to customers and further enhancing the, the product and the proposition as we go along. Well, thanks again for taking the time out to speak with us uh, this week. Um, on the show this week, we'll be taking a look at how banks in the UK have been responding to rising interest rates and what they should be doing more of to meet customer needs as the cost of living crisis rages on. We also discuss uh, whether more transparency is needed in the space to help customers choose the right bank for them and the challenges of scaling a new digital bank amid tough macroeconomic conditions. That's all to come a bit later, but as always, to get us started is our News in Numbers segment. This is where our guest has gone out and found a new story featuring an interesting number to discuss. So, Andrea, what have you brought along for us today? What I brought today, I mean, my number is 6.8%, Paul, and it's probably something that people might figure it out. It's the latest number in terms of underlying inflation rate, which has been recently published by the ONS. And I was reading an article from the FT yesterday, which is clearly giving some early signs of recovery and going the right direction. So this number was 7% in June and 73 in May. So it's definitely slowly decreasing and going the right direction. However, it also shows how the current state of the economy in terms of high inflation, which then drives the high interest rate, which I'm sure we will get to talk about later on, is kind of persistent. So I think it's very important now more than ever for consumers and customers uh, across the UK to really understand what it means to stay for a fairly long period of time, I believe, in an environment with high interest rate. What does it mean in terms of their cost of credit? What it means in terms of what they should expect and demand from banks in terms of return on their deposit and savings? And being very mindful of all the little tips and things that, that people can do in terms of managing their expenses through what are fairly challenging times. No, for sure. I mean, what would your tips be for managing finances then, do you think, during a tough economic climate that we're in at the moment? I mean, it's always hard to give like the perfect recipe for managing your finances, but the, the usual things. I think the first and foremost, my advice for everyone is like to get as much as a clear picture you can about all your outgoings on a monthly basis. And the way I think about it is split what you have to pay versus discretionary. So rent or mortgages, bills and transport that have to pay type of bucket and all the discretionary is everything else. And there are kind of digital banks or fintech that give you very good budgeting tools, for example, where you can classify your spending and it can help you with that analysis. Second thing is that taking for sure advantage as much as possible of the high interest rate environment, if you have any savings or deposits. So absolutely do not leave your amount, your money in a kind of a non-interest bearing traditional accounts that pays you nothing because effectively you lose value of those money with inflation being high and getting nothing. Uh, on the other side, being very mindful of the cost of the credit. Uh, I mean, a number of people we need to have either short-term credit such as overdraft. I mean, some of those are really expensive. It's kind of shocking to see that the average across the traditional banks in terms of overdraft rate is 39.9. 
port, which is mind-blowing. So always be careful of the cost of the credit that you need, even if it's short time. And then something else is probably looking at the services slash subscriptions you have and assess whether you really need them or you can downgrade. I don't know, you're paying maybe £30 a month for a phone contract with a specific amount of internet traffic. Do you actually need that? Can you downgrade and save some money there? I think probably these would be my tips. Excellent. excellent. I mean, and going on from that, I mean, what would your take be on the interest rate rises in general then at the moment? I mean, still, inflation's still quite high compared to other countries, still way above what the Bank of England's target would want it to be as well. Do you think there's more to come now or have we peaked in terms of the interest rate rises, do you think? Always hard to predict it with certainty. But if you look at the data and market expectation, I mean, the next review meeting is third week of September. And personally, I think it's not unlikely to have another 25 basis point increase. And then the next review meeting is then November the 2nd, and the one after that is in February next year. So it will depend on how the date on the inflation will respond. But personal expectation, there might be an additional 25 basis point increase in September, then hopefully a no change meeting in November, and then hopefully start going down from February next year. one of the USPs for crew has been um, the interest rates that you've been offering on your current accounts and, and raising those interest rates as and when the, the Bank of England decides to, to raise their base rate as well. On the other side of that, we've had um, in the not too distant past the FCA meeting with high street banks, urging them to accelerate passing these rates on to savers. So what are your thoughts then on that? And how should banks and lenders, both digital banks and um, incumbent banks as well, be responding to rising rates? It's a very good question, Paul, and I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to numbers, so I try to get as much data as I possibly can. And when I was researching that, I was almost terrified when I saw the number, which is £270 billion. This is how much deposit across the country are actually currently sitting in non-interest-bearing accounts, which means on those money, customers are getting nothing. And if you do that times the current base rate, which is the minimum that banks will get, you get with you get to 14 billion pounds per year. So this is how much net profit banks are making in such a difficult time and giving back nothing to customers. So I personally think that's wrong. I think this is a clear symptom of what is not working in the current banking environment. And this is one of the reasons we exist and we're here to change that. And Going beyond that, I mean, you've alluded to our offering in terms of high interest rate on a current account. That is also a big part of it. I mean, if you think about it, before we launched in January with a crew current account, the whole market was as it used to be for a very long period of time, right? You're a customer, you have a current account that gives you nothing in terms of rate, but where you can do your transaction, direct debit, faster payment in and out, and then customer were forced to open another account which is called a savings account. And technically, it's exactly the same thing, but doesn't let you do any of the payment that the current account does, but it gives you an interest. And customers have been almost forced to have all the burden and the anxiety and, and the work to do to be like, okay, on a monthly basis, I get paid. How much can I save at the end of the month? Let me move that from my current to the saving account. And then I ended up earning interest on a very small portion of what their income is. I mean, if you look at the data, the average is probably £250 a month. And 
getting nothing on the vast majority of their income because they need to keep it on the current account because mortgage or rent are coming up, groceries and everything else. And this is part of the thinking we've been doing here at Crude. That's not the way that banks should be there. We really think that banks should have the customers back. And especially in such a tricky and difficult time, such as the one we're living, I mean, you don't need a current account and a savings account. All you need is a crew account that pays you an interest. You calculate daily. So, you know, the money you're earning with your work are summing up interest on a daily basis until the day you have to spend them. I think that this is driving a big change in the way that, that customers think about it. And we believe that this is driving a very positive impact for the consumer at the end. That's what banks should do, right? The, the profit numbers you mentioned there are, are huge. I mean, do you think this has been a case of prioritizing profits over people? And, and how can banks evolve in that sense? How can they improve their transparency? And how important is that for both the industry and customers? Well, the first answer to the first part of the question is sadly yes. Well, I do think it's been a case of, like, I call it profit extraction which is probably a bit of a strong word, but that's what comes to mind when you look at some of the business model and the action of most banks, right? Definitely prioritizing profits over customer outcome or customer well-being. And you've mentioned there the transparency and actually the understanding of the financial literacy, that plays a huge part. Because if you look across the market, and this is not only in the UK, it's, it's across the world, the average level of financial literacy of customers is fairly low. And we have seen that recently in terms of like, not everyone really understand what is the base rate or the Bank of England base rate and how does that work? Most of what customers see is like, oh, my mortgage is getting more expensive. And that's kind of that. And banks have been playing for, in my mind, far too long on this lack of transparency of, okay, we are the bank, we have the knowledge. We like almost to keep customer in, in a dark space so that they don't really know what's happening. So they don't understand what they're missing out. In our mind, financial literacy is absolutely important. I mean, if you look at all statistics, I mean, we've recently conducted a survey that says that most people that are in a fairly young age bracket and they are fairly medium to high level of education, they still feel very low confidence in knowing how managing their finances and getting enough information and enough kind of literacy around how to deal with their money. In our mind, this is a big role that banks should play, right? Banks are there to help and support their customers, to explain to them how to be better off in managing their money and ultimately making them financially and emotionally stronger because they bank with, with the bank. Excellent. Yeah, and, and on that front, certainly banks should be shouldering some of that responsibility when it comes to helping customers with their financial literacy. But are there any other methods or, or outlets where customers can be going for that information? This is the positive side of the story, right? Today, there is so much more knowledge that is shared around, whether it's your podcast is a very good example, right? It's just one of the many outlets that customers have available and at their disposal in order to improve their understanding about financial literacy and managing finances. So there are definitely more sources, but I do think that banks should become a key outlet to actually talk to their customer base. And what we are definitely going to do here at Crew is to think about our customers as a community rather than as numbers, which is probably the model that banks used to. It's not, oh, we have acquired this customer, let's make the most amount of profit out of it, which is the traditional banking model. It's like, okay, now they've joined crew. They're part of our community. We have a relationship with them. There is a kind of an equal level of conversation between us and the customer and vice versa, and is a proper relationship, which includes a lot of things, includes giving them the best possible product, and the highest level of service, but also 
talking to each other. Uh, we are very keen to understand from our customer what we could do better, what we can evolve and what we can improve. And we are there to give them tips and suggestion and support them improving their financial literacy and, and the confidence that at the end of the day they will have in managing their own financial lives. Excellent, excellent. And I mean, how much then has the lack of urgency from the high street banks when it comes to passing on those, those interest rate rises to savers? How much has that kind of impacted your growth? And have you started to kind of take some of the market share from that? And I mean, there's been a huge surge in current account switching recently. Do you think people are now more willing to, to switch their banks and, and find better deals elsewhere? Yeah, I do think that's the case, Paul. I mean, I was looking at the latest statistic from the current account switching services, right? That they've seen a 70% increase in H1 in terms of customers switching their account. And I do think that the very challenging and somewhat tricky economic conditions that we are currently in are almost acting as a bit of a push for customers to be like, okay, I think I deserve something better. Let me go out and look for better alternatives to make the most of my money. And the data from the CAS, the current account switching services, is just one of the data points showing that is definitely helping this new wave of, okay, either new digital banks or fintech that such as Crew and, and many others, they want to change the status quo for the better. Excellent. excellent. And Crew, obviously, relatively new bank as well. Since, obviously, you've got that banking license, it's been a bit of a bumper year for financial services in general, with the conditions as they are. I mean, starting with Crew then, I mean, what's it been like trying to scale in this climate and how have you been impacted and how have you looked to adapt to, to ensure your growth through this period? Uh, I mean, creating, launching and scaling a bank is always incredibly hard, right? It's been quite a journey, uh, I would describe it. But then, you're right, it was even harder under the current bumpy microeconomic kind of climate and circumstances. As an example, high inflation for a very early stage company that is scaling a lot means that a lot of our costs has increased. And then the current economic situation, or at least the perception of how the UK is actually positioned globally in the current environment has definitely made, for example, fundraising very challenging as a whole and as a market. But there has also been a lot of positive. I mean, we've just discussed something that is kind of open up a bit the eyes of the customer and make them more inclined to look for alternatives and switch, which has been positive and also gave us an opportunity to really push the boundaries of the sector in kind of going after our vision of being the only bank that is trusted and loved, challenging the, the status quo, trying to, to bring something good for the population and the way we are set it up is a very much as a tech company with a banking license and the flexibility that gives us and the ability to adapt and change quickly is something that we were able to take advantage of the current environment and try to turn it into a positive for us. Uh, but yeah, it's been for sure fairly unique year with the launch and with everything else that was happening. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not going to get boring anytime soon. Good stuff. I mean, achieving profitability is always the, the holy grail for new digital banks as well. How's your progress going there? Yes, it is. I mean, it's a, it's a key requirement for any kind of viable and sustainable business long term. And we're very focused on, on that objective and we're already making very good progress, which are on track with our very ambitious plans there. But for the very nature of who we are, we will never want to achieve that at the cost of customer financial well-being. We are here to prove that actually we, we, banking can be done right. And we want to prove that actually a bank can make profit while at the same time make its customer financially better off. Because the two things are not mutually exclusive, right? And when you have the ability to do so by leveraging technology, automation that helps you being as lean as possible as a company, then you're able to give back to customer 
as much as you possibly can, as the example we are doing on our rate, while driving towards profitability as a business at the same time. And in, in general as well, I mean, how have customer expectations and of, of their financial institutions evolved in recent times? I mean, you've mentioned the community side of things there you're trying to build over at Crew. I mean, are, are more people looking for that now? Are more people looking at personalization is one of the big things as well that's been talked about a lot. Yeah, I, I think that is definitely one of the big trends we are seeing in the market. And it's even wider than that, right? Like customer expectation have massively increased over time, which I think is is a great thing, by the way. Again, I was looking at the recent survey that said that over 70% of customers in the UK consider either extremely or very important the level of customer experience when they're choosing their bank. And all the kind of recent technology and technological innovation and, and progresses have kind of transformed most of the other industries. And I have the feeling that the financial services has been kind of left a bit behind and is now playing catch up with people such as us and other fintech that are now bringing a higher standard of customer experience in the financial service world. That is playing definitely a big role and, and it will continue to do so. And to the personalization point, I do think that is a trend because if you think about banking, at least historically, again, sounds fairly unfair, but only very high net worth individual, they had the luxury of having kind of private banking or personalized advice. Now, leveraging some of the latest technology we can provide some sort of personalized advice or help in smart budgeting or whatever it is to the average customer. I mean, the use of AI is one example. Now we have a great deal of data that we collect because simply someone banks with us. I have the feeling that banks know everything they should know about the customers when they bank with them and therefore they're the best place to actually give really meaningful and personalized advice their customers in terms of how to be better in managing their money. And it's, it's been said that a lot of customers use digital banks almost as a spending pot alongside the, the main accounts with the high street banks. Do you think this is still the case? I think we are moving towards that direction, but it's still a journey, right? I mean, yes, we talked about more and more customer switching, which is great, but there are still a portion of customers that they haven't done yet the full change, right? Like even people that I know and Trust me, I get very upset with them, but they're like, oh, yeah, I still have my traditional bank and then I do nothing with them. I move all my money in a kind of a digital bank and do it, but they're not quite ready for the switch. And in my mind, this is kind of normal. I mean, we've seen that in, in every different kind of business sector. It's always a transition. It's never like from night to day type of thing. It always takes a bit of time. And, but I think the time is right. The level of digital adoption is massively accelerating. I mean, it hasn't really stopped since the whole COVID, which gave a really big push to the digital adoption. And I think if you look at today, the percentage of people that will even think about, oh, I need a bank account. Let me go and search for a physical bank. And I walk into a branch and open an account. This is now decreasing rapidly and getting close to zero. So I think we're on the right path. We are not yet fully there. But I see this going the right direction on a day-to-day -day basis. Excellent, excellent. And obviously with more customers looking to switch banks and how easy that is now, how much of a challenge is that then for you in terms of retaining customers as well? And how are you looking to kind of keep evolving there? That is a biggest, like one of the biggest points. Like how do we think about customer retention? Well, the way we think about it is a combination of three key elements. Number one is always going to be first and foremost, can we and are we be able, are going to be able to provide and continue to provide a good product that truly solves customer problems and customer needs, right? 
Second element to that is the level of customer service. I think more than ever, providing an exceptional level of customer service is absolutely important. Every single touch point with the customer is an opportunity to gain either more trust or love from the customer. And that's definitely the way we are thinking about it. And last but not least, there is also a big point which we haven't yet touched on, which is the alignment in terms of the values and what customers really care about versus the brand value that a company, in this case, a bank, stands for. So uh, it's maybe a very high level way to answer your question, but the way we think about customer attention is to keep focus on the three key elements. Deliver a great product, exceptional level of customer service, and aligning to the values that our customer and our community really care about. Excellent, excellent. Just picking up on that last point, how important do you think that one is then now as obviously factors such as climate and ESG often play a huge role now for customers when it comes to selecting companies and brands they want to, to buy from or bank with. So how have you been looking to adapt your offering to meet those needs? I personally think it's absolutely fundamental. It's really important, right? And I mean, I can give you tons of different statistics and different surveys. I mean, one that really stuck with me is that seven out of 10 customers like choose who to bank with and like when they choose who to bank with, one of the key elements in their decision-making process is whether this bank is aligned to their value and whether they have a positive social or environmental impact. And you can see that this trend is accelerating and is even more accentuated when you look at the younger side of the population. So when you look at millennials, I think the statistic is as high as 87% of the people actually is like, okay, if they're not aligned to my kind of values, if the brand is not aligned to my values, I'm not considered that. So I think it's absolutely fundamental. And it's part of our DNA here at Crew. It's part of who we are. It's been one of our funding pillars since the very beginning, before it maybe became such a big thing in terms of ESG, in terms of environmental reporting, which now even the regulator is adopting to it. And we've already started doing something fairly concrete around that. I mean, our Crew debit card is fully degradable. We are partnering with an incredible charity called One Tree Planted. And uh, we are planting two trees uh, for every customer that joins crew. And we are actually enabling customers to decide between two different projects that we are sponsoring through one tree planted where they want those trees to be planted. Because what the way they operate is they do it in specific communities when the impact is not only the, the good environmental impact in terms of the CO2 absorption for the trees, but also drives a positive impact, social impact to the communities where they're operating. So this is something that is already live and happening. And we are very close to have planted half a million trees since we have started, which I'm really proud of and pleased. And we are going pretty fast towards our mission to plant a million trees as soon as possible. But even beyond that, we are looking at ways in which we can actually implement that as part of our product. And again, our thinking there is to do this together with our customer, kind of hand in hand. And it was the whole concept of community that we were talking about. We want to almost play and be a conduit for those customers who want to play a role into driving a positive impact. And crew should be and will be a conduit for them to enable it to do it as part of the day-to-day -day banking experience. So there is something quite nice, which my product team told me not to share in detail. So that's the reason why I'm maybe fairly vague, but there is something coming out towards the end of this year that will go in that direction. Excellent, excellent. And on that front, what's next for Crew then in the near-term future? And obviously you can't mention too much about that one, but is there anything else that you've got in the pipeline that you can tell us about? Oh uh, yeah, there is. I mean, we have very recently uh, started to roll out our unsecured consumer loans. So we are at the very early stage of that, but that is something that will be 
widely available for all CrewCarrot account customers very shortly this year, which we're very pleased of and, and excited because that's the other side of the bank, right? We've started with the current account, so a safe place to keep your money that gives you a good interest. The other side is being able to give credit to customers that they need and provide a very competitive rate so that they can actually be and achieve the goals they the, the goals they have in their life. So this is from a product perspective, from a feature perspective, we are shortly going to be releasing probably the highest requested feature uh, that we have heard from our customer recently, which is Auth. So basically the ability for customers to segregate in terms of their current account, whether it is for like budgeting reason, whether it is because they are saving for a specific goal and having all of that within the same account, but as a somewhat separate amount of money. So POTS is something else that is coming up relatively shortly. Well, thank you again for, for taking the time out to speak with me, um, Andrea. Um, to close out the podcast, we have our now infamous fintech jail. So that's where we ask for an industry term mm. buzzword or trend that you've seen or heard enough of. So what is your selection for this week? Yeah, I really like, by the way, the idea of the fintech jail. I think it's super cool, Paul. And, and I've been thinking a lot about it because I started with a very long list, but at the end, I settled on a teaser deal. Uh, that's something that I've heard and I've seen way too much. Uh, I've seen a lot of financial services, like drawing people in with introductory, very big offers that at the end of the story, don't really provide the customer with the best long-term deal and doesn't really value the loyalty of the existing customers. So that, that would be my word to put into the fintech trail. Yeah. I think the, the thing you've mentioned there in, in terms of valuing the, the loyalty of the customers, I mean, it's one of those things that I always see where, whether it be an internet deal or, or TV deal or something, they'll be half off or something and you'll have a look in the fine print and it's new customers only or something. You're thinking, well, that's great. How can, how can they get to save half off and I'm still paying full price, right? <laughs> I know. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I was in between teaser deal and the small prints. Because that's the yeah. other side of that, right? When you see the big headline, it's like, oh my God, you know, I'm getting 7% on my savings account. And then you read up to 1,000 pounds. It's like, okay, well, you're not really telling me the whole story. And, and it goes back to the transparency point that we were, we were chatting about earlier on. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, I mean, for this kind of thing, I mean, usually I ask, is there anything we would want to replace this with? But I don't think we really need to replace it. I think it just needs to make the deals better across the board right instead of just luring people in with a good deal yeah. that then is gone after a month or so i agree and the way we think about this concept of crew is that we actually want customers to to read the small print and it's linked to the type of bank we are and the offering we are like for example our interest rate on the current account is no strings attached i mean it doesn't matter if you have a pound or eighty-five thousand pound which is the fscs limit you get the same rate whether you're a new customer or existing customer so yeah, I wouldn't replace that. I would actually will want customer to read the small prints. Excellent, excellent. Sounds good. Well, I mean, in which case, this is a, a no-brainer for me. I'm quite happy to, to throw this one into the jail. I'd be surprised if we see it come back out at any point, anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Well, that's all we have time for this episode. Thanks, of course, to Andrea for joining me. As for FinTech Futures, you can find us online at www.fintechfutures.com on X, the app formerly known as Twitter at Fintech Futures, and of course on LinkedIn. If you like this podcast and our other episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting service to get notified about future episodes. Thanks as well to Arama for editing this podcast. You can check them out at arama.tv. 
As always, thank you very much for your support. We'll see you soon for another episode of What the Fintech. But until then, goodbye.